This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Winning Plays Podcast is back yet again. The Celtics are in the midst of an eight-game winning streak. They are the best team in the NBA right now. My name is Brian Robb, joined today by frequent co-host Ryan Bernardoni at DangerCard on Twitter. And Ryan, this works out well because I've actually... You know, you're obviously a regular on on winning plays here, but I've I've fielded some complaints that I've recently have only had you on to talk about bad things, to talk about when obviously the email situation or other, you know, other major events that obviously over the summer were more bad than good, whether it was injuries or the the email situation. But guess what? You're you're here today. There's I don't even know if, if we can think of a, a bad thing to talk about with this team right now. And more importantly, you have a the perfect name for this the show edition. Yeah, this is the Sam Hauser Power Hour, uh, where we're going to talk all about all of the guys who are not Jalen and Jason and and Marcus and you know the the sort of premier names. I think it's a good day coming off these last two these last two wins where they were shorthanded and a lot of different guys stepped up, uh, including Hauser. Um, and so it's you know it's a nice topic to to be able to talk about um, at this point about some of the guys who have been surprises or maybe in some cases guys who shouldn't have been such a biggest as big of surprise players that obviously the the team had a lot of faith in but that there were questions about that at least to this early stage of the season have have been answered in a positive way but um, also throughout there like you know when you have the option the opportunity to get sports superstar Mike Pina back on the the podcast like you got to take it right. Hey, right. I mean, like, <laughs> at, He's he's out there on the on the Bill Simmons pod now, the, the whatever the biggest sports pod in the world, the, you know, so uh, understandable having other people on to talk about other things, um, and also but, raving yeah. about SGN a night he hits a game winner, so that yeah, that's why Mike Mike just nailing the nail on the head as usual, um, but you know it's been great to yeah. If you guys haven't checked that out, make sure you check out Mike. He was on the uh, Bill Simmons podcast this week. I think I assume he's going to be regular on there as he's doing great stuff for the Ringer, but um. But we're here now, right? And let's talk about let, let's kick it off here. I'm gonna I'm gonna start in a lighter note here. Um, as far as the accolades for the bench, um, I have to give it up first to JD Davidson, who made it down to Atlanta, um, an emergency recall before Wednesday night's game. Got in there an hour before the game as Marcus Smart and Malcolm Brogdon were on the sidelines. And yeah, listen, that that's kudos to a guy traveling halfway across the country they, to get in Doug and knowing Mirabelli it was a garbage time with a garbage time opportunity <laughs> they, they brought him in with the doug marabelli treatment they, <laughs> right uh, exactly. <laughs> the, the full police escort to fly him in <laughs> from the in the bring him from the airport in um to get that that last couple of garbage time minutes i think he airballed a three and then one yeah the that was unfortunate board. but he's actually been quite good in maine yeah yeah I, I mentioned the, it on Twitter, like you know we talk about what could they trade at some point if they even need to trade. Like maybe this team, we don't even want to make a trade and shake anything up with the way some of the guys that we're going to talk about on, on this, this pod have been um, performing. But, you know, I had made a comment that something like I would rather have JD Davidson than the 45th pick, you know, 45th pick in the draft two years from now or something like that. Like uh, I think he has some, not some huge value, but the amount that we've seen in little bits um, have been pretty good last night in garbage time, maybe notwithstanding, but uh, yes, got he, it, you know, any guy who, it's always I always have a soft spot for any player who makes and this wasn't his first appearance. He played a minute in the game earlier, but who makes their first appearance for the Celtics, right? Like it's it's a notable thing. Uh, you are now in forever a Boston Celtic. You've played for the team, which is something that I'll never be able to say. And precious few people can. So it it's a nice thing, you know, 
under any circumstances, even if for most guys, it'll be like him where it's the last couple minutes of garbage time. Um, so to get the call up, I'm sure he, you know, it's, it's a long day, um, but it's got to feel good to be on an NBA court again. And to your point on Davidson and Maine so far, um, the always important G league numbers, but still for a, a 19 or 20 year old here, this is averaging 15 per game, um, shooting 48% from the field, 41 from three and six rebounds, six assists. Big turnover number, but five um, turnovers. Yeah. A lot, a lot the, of five turnovers game, but a lot of really nice passes. Like if you even just watch the highlights, not even the whole games. Like he has a, an interesting uh, eye for, for passing and ability to pass with both hands. And like you said, he's making 40% of his threes. Like there's, a, there's really some good raw tools there. I don't think he'll ever, I mean, it's unlikely that he'll ever break in with the Celtics in any meaningful way because the Celtics are playing for a championship and 19 year old point guards who turn the ball over a lot are really hard to develop. Ask the golden state warriors how difficult it is to, <laughs> to bring about like raw athletic guys who have a lot of holes in their games and, and make mistakes um but that's not a knock on him in any you know in any way i, I think that this is a guy who could actually have a, an nba career it's funny this is where we start the call um but i do think that you know he's continued to look like an like an interesting prospect which is nice listen this is why you come to this it's podcast all good. you're gonna get everything is good right um but no let's this is this is his power hour. I think Sam Hauser is the the natural place to start here. Uh, the league leading in NBA plus minus Sam Hauser, um, a plus one twenty one besting uh, league MVP Nikola Nikola Jokic as well as a uh, future MVP Jason Tatum. Um, after the first fifteen games of the year, it's I mean plus minus is a flawed stat, but I don't know, like as far as bench players productivity around the nba goes through 15 games like hauser is what like top 10 top 15 on that list in terms of like in the moment guys that you like are value to their team right now is that is that a fair am i am i overrating this or is this something where based on what we've seen so far he kind of falls in that category in that in that limited time span i mean it, right it's hard to put him over guys who have just played a lot more minutes like brogdon you feel yeah, like, like Brogdon, he's not the most important bench Celtics, player in Boston. Right? Like, yeah, it's a different, a, a different role in a different way. Um, I think what stands out for him is that he's done, he has done exactly what we had hoped he would do, in the one thing that we all cared about, which was like making threes. But everything else about his game has been better than what I think any casual observer would have could have reasonably expected. I, I do think that there are people within the team who felt that he was a much more complete player than just a a shooter. Um, but he looks like a much more complete player than, say, Duncan Robinson, uh, whose shot has somewhat abandoned him as well. Uh, but Hauser, the combination of like the absolute flamethrower shot, his size, the fact that he's not a terrible defender, uh, not a you know he holds his own rebounding, he doesn't, uh, he's not a playmaker, but like he moves the ball quickly. Uh, he just has a lot to his game beyond just being a shooter. And at six eight, that's a, a player who can be really valuable. Uh, so I think it, it all obviously starts with the fact that he has a terrifying jump shot who every team in the league now is just like, you know, it's got to be on the scouting report for every bench unit. It's just like you cannot leave this guy. But because of the intelligence of the way he's playing, he's already able and the team has, is already able because they have a lot of intelligent veterans who are often out there with them, are able to use that spacing and able to use him as sometimes a decoy, a screener, or a cutter, a lot of different ways that we've seen even just very early in, in his like real career here as a rotation player has been extremely valuable. Uh, And so I don't, listen, he's probably not going to end the season as the best plus minus player in the league. 
uh, except the fact that he happens to play on a very good team and also often plays with bench units with Jason Tatum that always kill everybody and have for years. Uh, but you know, the, to this point in the year, yeah, he's been, you know, a revelation, um, and super impactful. And like you said, pretty high up on the list of like most impactful bench players in the league. He's shooting a hundred percent inside three feet too. Um, he's only taken probably seven shots in that range, but still, um, no, I, I, I echo your, and I, in terms of just like the the all you know nothing flashy about his all around skill set, but just the fact that it's pretty solid across the board. And to me, the crazy number this is you know also apparent last year in, in very limited sample size. He doesn't turn the ball over. His turnover rate two point seven percent like that. That again doesn't. It's not going to show up on the box score. It doesn't you know matter game to game much. But over the big picture, to have a guy that okay he makes shots and he doesn't do anything to hurt you. Like over the course of the season, that's when you can put together a record-breaking offense with all the other pieces on this roster. When you have guys like that in supporting roles, I feel like and he's got to be near the top of the league in like shortest average time of possession per touch, whatever right. that might be. Right? Like his he I he catches the ball and he either shoots it or moves it. And we talked so much last year, particularly around the trade deadline, when they were like, "Well, moving Schroeder out and getting Derek White in and." uh that type of move of like getting more towards guys who are ball movers. And he's not Derek white. Obviously he's not a playmaker like that. He's not dribbling the ball. That's why his, his uh, you know, why I say that possession per touches is so low. It's more of a clay Thompson sort of thing, right? It's like catch, shoot, pass, but those passes are not bad passes. He's made quite a few good, you know, good passes where the hard closeout comes and he makes a, a quick decision and just one, you know, touch it. It's out of in and out of his hand very quickly for the pass instead of the shot. And so he doesn't have many assists, but like you said, he has basically no turnovers. Um, and the other times when he gets those shots near the rim seemingly are almost universally on, on cuts, right? Like his defender is so far out on the, out on the court to defend him. They really can't help at all. And anytime they turn their head or lose any sort of focus on that, and they think like, well, my job is just to basically stand out here and make sure the ball doesn't come to him. He's shown to be a good backdoor cutter. I think he's also a good screener. Uh, particular, you know, it's obviously mostly pick and pop when he screens, although he actually did make a play on the short roll a couple of games ago. Where I was like, oh, that was actually pretty good. And I think it ended up in a corner three for somebody else. Um, so he's using just again, using that ability to draw attention and to create space. The team is able to use it and leverage it in some different ways. And some of that is him through that cutting and screening and things like that. He one of the other things that right, you can go. I don't want to go on in on every single thing about his game, but he runs into screens, right? He sprints up the court and gets into screens quickly when they're getting into the offense. And you see so many players around the league who sort of loaf into screens and things like that. And everybody on this team, whether or not it's Hauser or Vonley or the, a lot of guys really seem to hustle into those things, even if they aren't doing it super often, like you wouldn't expect with Hauser, but like the sort of focus and attention that it takes to be the type of player that he is, is there with him. Um, and the one, what I come to with him is that I think we all came into the season thinking Duncan Robinson, right? Like he's a sort of taller shooter, very quick. I look at him and I'm starting to think that he's more like Kyle Korver. And like Kyle Korver made an all-star team. I'm not saying he's going to be that good. Yeah. But like Hauser's a better defender than Duncan Robinson is. And and Korver was a perfectly fine defender. Uh, he's a little quicker. He's got better feet. He's a quicker ball mover. That's the like, there's a little bit of that in there of a really good NBA player. And he's not going to shoot 45% from three forever because of the difficulty of the shots he takes. But like, I don't see any reason to think that this is going to slow down where it's like on this team where he gets really good shots and plays very intelligently uh, that he's going to continue to be a 
just like a really valuable player for, I mean, he's already 25, but you know, for, for a while here. Let's take a quick break here to hear from our sponsored LinkedIn Town Solutions. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. I've been on LinkedIn myself for years. I know it's led to a few opportunities through connections I've made on there in my writing career. And so it's definitely a place you want to be on to find a new work opportunities or to hire someone for your small business. It's incredibly easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn jobs. You just post about who you're looking for, add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're you're hiring on there. There are simple tools you can use like screen questions that make it really easy to focus on the candidates that might have the right skills and experience. So you can quickly prioritize who you want to interview for position and make that hire. It's time to finish the year strong, only a couple months left in the year and finding that right team member can help your business get over to the top. And it's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. So here's the deal. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash winning that's linkedin.com slash winning to post your job for free terms and conditions apply and now back to the show yeah it's um the the shot quality should just only be going up as the Celtics get healthier um in the next few weeks here and so from that standpoint it's like that it's it's hard to foresee any kind of significant drop off with the percentages um i think the other and to wrap things up on him the 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 really other encouraging part here is that um, from my standpoint with the Celtics is that Missoula is leaning into like, he's seeing this in real time and being like, oh yeah, Hauser's going from, uh, you know, 10, 15 minutes to be like, no, we're going to, we're going to ride you when you have it going. And when someone gets into foul trouble, you're going to be the top option um, to come in with the the starters. And so again, he's played 32, 20, 21, 16, and 27 minutes in the last five games there. And so that's again, adapting to, yep, everyone's, you know, this guy is, able to fit in in terms of whatever role we need, whether it's with the bench or just as an extra spacer. And um, and that's and maximizing that, especially on nights where he really has it going. Yeah, it's been been super impressive. Even before the season started, like one of the things I was looking forward to is when you get into the second half of the year and you figure that Ozer would hopefully establish himself to the level that we are seeing that he is now, like they're going to be able to put out lineups that are, that are Brogdon, Grant Williams, Hauser, Robert Williams, and like, you can kind of put any fifth player in there and that's already going to be a successful lineup. It's just going to be so difficult to, to defend against that they're going to score a ton of points. And that will actually maybe give you some opportunities to get, you know, Jalen and Jason to have minutes where neither of them are on the floor in certain matchups. But if you put, if you put Tatum on the floor with that group against anybody else's bench, like they're going to score 130 points for hundred possession. Like, right. Like that's such an unguardable team for any teams, any other team sort of hybrid bench, um, Type, type of lineups like I don't know how you try to go for a starting lineup against that much shooting like yeah sure but I mean like <laughs> if you think about that type of lineup or, or you put Jalen in there instead of Jason and then you maybe have a lineup that lets you survive Jalen plus bench units which have never been nearly as good as the the Tatum plus bench units again just because it's like there's there's so much shooting there and that's not even getting into like Derek White's shooting really well Peyton Pritchard is shooting well you got all these guys or Horford shooting well you know shooting really well uh 
And you're going to go through cold streaks, obviously. Like, the team isn't going to shoot this well forever, I don't think. Uh, but Hauser's, Hauser's size and combination of skills really alleviate some of the fears that we had about, like, are they missing another big wing? What's, you know, is losing Gallinari going to hurt them in, in certain ways? And Grant as well. Grant being such a reliable three-point shooter and also being a little bit more creative with, with the way he's able to get himself free, like we saw last night, maybe more than in any other game we've seen so far in his career. Uh, that those guys are are really freeing them up to do some more creative things with with lineups on nights when they want to and also hopefully as the season goes on to be able to cut back on some of the minutes for Jason and Jalen which is again the reason that a lot of times we talked about needing another big wing it's not like we need another big wing because the team needs to be playing three wings they've shown that they can play double big it's more to be like to be able to cut down on the minutes of of some guys because we're as we're already seeing it's a war of attrition in the regular season. Like the Celtics are playing down four and five guys in these last couple of games and they're still getting wins. Uh, and part of that is because Hauser and Grant and Pritchard and Cornette and all these guys are, are really stepping up in a way that is about as positive And as you know, it's sort of, if you've gone into the season asking for what your best case scenario for these guys was in a lot of these cases, you're getting that. All right. Where do you want to go next? Just, Pritchard. Yeah, I mean, Cornette. you want to go to Pritchard. We yeah, talked about Pritchard a little bit last time we were on, sort of saying, you know, he's going to have his opportunities that are come. You can't just trade him for a backup big. You you know, he's there are going to be times when when you need him. And shortly thereafter, you run into a time when you need him. And once again, like, in his mind, this is not best case scenario. He would like to be playing more than this, absolutely. But in the minute, minutes that he's played, he's given them exactly what you're hoping for. Um, and again, really, I think on both ends, like, he hasn't he's not a bad defender right we've talked against okc like look at that game like he's, he was yeah. him and white were ferocious and yeah. i mean just attacking the weak thunder ball handlers and really turning that game crazy. around the third quarter it was like 16 steals and something yeah just know. something nuts yeah so like yeah just having that kind and again that's that's something that's gonna you know you get away of that against the okc team that just doesn't have good ball handlers outside of, of sga but that's just something knowing that like, okay, Pritchard is, you know, kind of written off as just a shooter, but no, he can, in the right situations, he can give you more than that. And so, I mean, forget about, forget about the steals, Ryan. Uh, he is your, uh, your best offensive rebounder in the rotation right now <laughs> outside of Luke Cornett. I mean, he's, he's taken on the mantle of um, Aaron Neesmith where you, in <laughs> yeah. your mind, you think he's a great shooter, but he's actually not shooting well but he's getting a crazy number of offensive rebounds and like running around like a mad person and getting steals and all. Yeah. It, it's, it's a funny mix. Uh, it's in, you know, if you look at his full season stats, they're not super impressive, right? There's not a ton of minutes, it's a lot of garbage but, time. Minutes, a though, lot of that's garbage played. time. Yeah. When they called on him in these last two games, it was a different player. It was the player that you're looking for to fill that need. Uh, and that's really what you're, what you're talking about is stepping in and playing a role when it's important and as much as you can, just sort of looking at, you know, oh, you played last five minutes of a game where you were up 20. Like, okay, you took some bad shots and like, sure, that's how it always works, right? Uh, but he's when they've needed him, he's been, I think he's been really good in these last couple of games. First, we're going to hear from our sponsor, Bet Online. With football being back, Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You can find the latest football odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events. MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, even golf, and this NBA season going on right now. So head on to betaline.ag to join. Receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use the promo code CLNS50. Receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. With him at this point, and I, kind of, I wrote on this on Mass Live last week of just being a, 
this is why, you know, this is showing the Celtics why he shouldn't necessarily be trade bait in terms of having this kind of insurance policy, both when guys are out or even when guys are healthy, just to have a, a guy like this you can throw in in situations you need it. Um, I don't know. At this point, it's it's early now. We're not going to really get into this until for another couple months here. But like what what's enough for you to like give him up in terms of like what do you need to get from someone, you know, assuming you're packaging him with the necessary salary and draft compensation. Does it have to be someone that's like, you know, guaranteed to play 15, 20 minutes in the playoffs, like that kind of caliber of an upgrade to like to move on from, or is this just going to be, you know, you hopefully can keep him in your back pocket, assuming that you keep everyone else healthy here and, and just have that as a luxury. Yeah. I mean, what does this team actually need? I mean, that's is, that, is part of the question. Uh, who are you going to get for, whatever you're imagining here, right? Uh, somebody who either costs the TPE or Gallinari plus Pritchard. Like, right. what is the money here that you're putting together that is going to get you a player, honestly, better than Luke Cornett right now? Because uh, that's, I think, what you're talking about. You you, you will not get a good wing. Yeah, that's wings the question. Is it going to be a wing? Yeah. So wing, you are not going to get a good wing. wing. There are yeah. not wings who cost that amount of money who are available for even multiple first-round picks, right? Mm. Like, Unless you, you're creating a much larger trade here where you're including Derek White or something, in which case then it's like you probably need Pritchard if you're moving him out for a wing. Like right. it, It's hard to envision what the trade is that would be worth it right now. You can come up with any sort of names, right? You can go into whatever site you want to look at contracts and look at it and say, oh, look, there's these guys who make this amount of money. But yeah, at some point I have to ask yourself, why? Like, What is the benefit of shaking it up? And maybe at the trade deadline, it it will feel differently. You could have injuries. For sure, you could also just the team could be a little bit of fool's gold these last eight games, and maybe they'll come back to earth and the three point shooting will cool off and whatever. Like, we don't know. Uh, I don't think there's any reason to believe that coming off a of finals run and over the last, you know, destroying the second half of last season, too, and, and not even having Rob yet. But I, who knows? Uh, I just don't see like they're not going to run a 12 man rotation. So, what exactly are you missing that like trading Pritchard would, would get for you where you wouldn't then turn around and be like, uh, maybe we need a fourth guard, right? Like you could get a fourth big in exchange for a fourth guard, but then you're going to feel like you're missing a fourth guard. And I just, like, you can say that with Horford and and particularly Rob, like maybe there's more injury risk in the front court and we're just sort of feeling the injury risk in the back court right now, but it's not as acute and it's not as big a deal and long. I don't like you can go to, like I said, you can go down the list and come up with names, but I don't think any of them are going to make that much of a difference. Um, and, and won't be guys who you could potentially get by saying, okay, we want to upgrade our fourth big, like we're going to use the TPE and we're going to replace Vonley with somebody who we can get for two second round picks because they're on an expiring, right? Like you, I guess you yeah. could make that case, but like that doesn't, but include, I don't know if you need you Pritchard need for that one, right. Pritchard for that. I agree. And I think yeah, that's so, what this comes down to right now. I think that's what it comes down to. Like you can, with how things are looking right now, Pritchard is much more valuable to you than what he could get you in a trade, even with like the necessary pieces brought in. You like, can... Let's say you didn't have Pritchard right now, right? Let's say you didn't have Pritchard and your fourth guard was JD Davison and Pritchard was on another team. You yep. would be looking at him going like, man, could we get Peyton Pritchard? Like, <laughs> right. What would it cost to get Peyton Pritchard? Okay. We, where was he drafted? If we gave them the, a pick that we think is going to be like in the 30 to 35 range and another first, like, could we get him? And the thing is you would be like, well, no, he's on a rookie scale deal and he's going to be restricted. Like, why would they trade him? Right. Um, 
but yeah, as soon as you lose him, I think you would feel the loss more than you would feel the gain of whoever you're adding. And again, at least right now, if Al Horford gets injured or Rob comes back for two weeks and then gets hurt again, is that like then that, that's going to obviously change your calculus right. a little bit. But if the team looks functionally like this, plus Rob at the trade deadline, like I just it's it's hard to imagine anything other than a much larger trade, which doesn't seem necessary either. That would necessitate that. like you the team has played so well. Again, across the end of last season and now up to this year, where I think in the cleaning the glass version of net rating, they have the now they have the best net rating in the league. They have the best record in the league. They're dealing with all these injuries, and they're still like, why would you need to make any trade at the moment? Yeah. Um, and it, the only yeah. reason you do is just for extra insurance down the end of the bench, and that's something again they already that's picks, right? That's you, picks. You can exactly. trade that's picks, picks for, right? For insurance, right. And that's what it is. Insurance yeah. and that's for like, insurance, exactly. And so that that's I think the thing. I I have thought of one scenario though that we we have overlooked here with Peyton Pritchard is. Danny Ainge knocking on the door and saying, "Take whatever you want. I want. I want my guy back. I need I mean, this guy." Is Vando like? Yeah, I right. Think. Exactly. Right. Like, uh, Vanderbilt for for Pritchard straight up. That that's the one. That's the one thing in play right now. Other than that, um, I don't see it happening. Which is hilarious because he wasn't playing three or four days ago. But right. like we said, as soon as you actually need him, because again, what you would be getting is insurance. You would be getting the guy who plays when one of your bigs is hurt. Uh, because if if Tatum or Brown get hurt, then who cares, right? Like that's yeah, kind of the end, of it, anyway, particularly Tatum. Um, so that's a different conversation on the wing. And like I said, you just don't get wings. Like it's hard to go out and acquire wings like that, which is why Justin Jackson was playing in the second quarter last night. Uh, so I just think you end up in a position where it's like you, we've had Pritchard. We know what he can do. I mean, the guy was playing late in the playoffs last year. What fourth big are you going to get who can do that? So to me, even just these couple of games have shown his value or, you know, reminded of his, of his value, which I think we, we probably already knew. Um, And, and just, again, the quality of the play that they're, that they're forming at right now, you just don't feel like there's any reason to make, to be making a trade um, for anything other than just like, because trades are fun. I I don't know what other reason there would be to to be even pursuing one right now. Yeah, no, there isn't. And when they do, they again, like we, it, it comes down to using, I think, non-player assets and or you know Galinari's contract to to just add, as opposed to taking anything away from the insurance policies you have in place. And furthermore, with the way this team is playing offensively and the need for what are you gonna need in the playoffs? More shooting. Okay, should we trade away the guy who has proven he can shoot in the playoffs and in the regular season, like barring last year's NBA Finals? Like, no, like that. That's a guy that who you, is also under contract for cheap next year, which is another part of the equation that is, I think, still valuable in this as you have a, a very limited means to add to the roster in the future here. So, yeah, it's it you'd have to be absolutely, I think, bold over right now to even like, you know, move him to find a deal that makes sense to move him for. I feel like even just the, the idea of like trading Gallinari plus picks to, to add depth. We just talked about how good Hauser has been. I, we alluded to how good you know Grant Williams has been shooting. Anybody you add is going to be taking minutes away from somebody. Right. <laughs> and we saw it just last year, like the addition by subtraction thing. Do you want to have some, you know, subtraction by addition? Adding depth who expects to play and who isn't materially better than the guys that you have is just throwing away draft picks on something. And this all can sound really stupid. 
if you make the Eastern Conference Finals or the NBA Finals and somebody gets hurt and you're like, oh man, we should have had, oh, I can't believe we didn't make a, a deadline move to add a 12th man. But like, who is the 11th or 12th guy who is actually a seventh man who makes under $10 million and you can get for some second round? Like that player doesn't really exist. You're much more likely to find that player not by making midseason trades. And the whole point of this is like the Celtics have found that player in Sam Hauser, maybe in Luke Cornett, Peyton Pritchard, a late first round pick, Grant Williams, a late first round pick, Robert Williams, who's bigger, obviously, than that, a late first round pick. Like the way that they've been able to go around to go about adding those guys. And then you look at the bigger names that they've picked up, like Blake Griffin, who seems to be there largely because he's a great morale guy. Yeah, exactly. And I think he understands that, like why he's there, right? Um, You just, they've done such a, a good job and it's hilarious to talk about this because you can look back at Langford and Neesmith and oh they traded the Desmond Bain pick and they didn't get Tyrese Maxey and blah blah blah, all the way down the line and yet you just get to this point and you're like boy all the pieces fit and I would love to have Desmond Bain here and if they Celtics had Desmond Bain they would be massive favorites to win the NBA finals like I'm not pretending anything otherwise but they have done a really nice job at this point of like using the assets that they had and the picks they had and the contracts the slots they had to put together a team and cutting that, bait with the right guys. Yep, exactly. Right. And that just sort of at this point now makes sense. Like it feels like a team that's like, ah, this is the team that you would build around Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and like all the guys who fit in around that. Uh, and so I don't know. I mean, we can talk about some of the other. Yeah, let's do a speed well. round for the rest of these guys like Cornette. Yeah. I mean, Cornette's been good. Cornette's been you know? good. He has. He's been, I think established himself as the front runner for that bag up center row. That's been a kind of a bit of a revolving door, but I mean, he obviously played the game of his season against the Hawks on Wednesday night, seven to seven for the field, 15 points, a couple blocks, um, just good all around play and the screening, the, the positioning. I think again, this is the kind of the little things that um, help create a more reliable defense is for, especially for that second unit. He's been able to, to bring to the table in, in, in small doses here. Loves a reverse dunk. Yes. Even on even on lobs. Um not again, sort of like Hauser. You you would the passing, I think, is better than what you would normally expect. And largely it's because it's very decisive. It's quick. He doesn't catch the ball and try to pretend that he's going to do post-ups and then I'm going to try to do this kick out. It's like catch, pass, move the ball. Uh, he's huge. Right. So he's not a great shot blocker, although he, he blocked quite a few last game. Um, but he's just very, very large and he's got long arms and like you put him around the hoop and it's going to be hard to score uh, most of the time. And so, again, I think like all that we were hearing coming out of the team where they were like, we think he's good. Brad thinks he's good. Um, the coaches think that he's good. And we're looking at it being like, you know, he's had some moments in his career, but they've never been like particularly good moments. And here now at 27 years old in what you expect to be his prime, he seems to have found his way back into a rotation and is seizing the opportunity and and playing really well. And there are going to be nights when it does not look that way. There's going to be teams that make him look bad. If you play him, you know, against the Raptors, there are going to be nights when that might really backfire. Uh, But he gives them a change of pace and he's done everything they've asked him to do at this point and i agree i mean it seems like he's now pretty well established over von lay which is not a surprise yeah. um in in that spot and that you look at him play and you it, you do not feel like you have to go exit to what we were saying before 
there does not feel seem to be any urgency to upgrade him by trading someone like Peyton Pritchard or another first round pick to go out and get Jakob Pertl or somebody like that, right? Like it, it feels like this is a guy who's not going to be in the playoff rotation anyway. And in the regular season, seems fine. Seems like he's doing a nice job. And yeah, like I'm looking at Vonley stats right now. He's actually, he's turning the ball over on 31% of possession right now. So I think that, I mean, but there's still times where it's like again against Detroit the other, you know, like on Saturday night when Cornette yeah. is fouling too much as I'm going, okay, throw Vonley in there and he can at least get you hit the glass harder than, than Cornette can. He feels uh, on like both the, ends. One, the one one-dimensional player on the team feels like Vonley, who is right. a pure energy rebounding big. Everybody but, else on the team feels like they have at least a second skill. Uh, and Vonley, I think, has done some amount of three-point shooting and things like that. But the way that they're deploying him, he feels like the one guy on the team who's like, we need this one thing, and so we're going to use you for it. Everybody else feels like they have a little bit more of a rounded game than he does. What's Blake's skill right now? Well, so Blake's not playing, right? Justin Jackson <laughs> and Blake aren't really playing. Uh, we know what they're there for. Like, they're there to be veteran guys and... I think we we've sort of heard the same thing. Like part of the reason they went and got Blake was because they wanted a veteran there to help maneuver. These guys the team love right, him, you know, by the way. They do exactly. It's he's they. There are a lot of guys who you could bring in in that role who you would think maybe are have more in the tank at this time. And there, there's a reason that Hassan Whiteside and Demarcus Cousins don't really have jobs right now, or Dwight Howard is going to Taiwan, um, and Blake Griffin has a job on an NBA bench. And it's just like they all seem to love him. And as it had been said to me. He's a guy who can talk to Jason and Jalen on a level that most other guys can't because it wasn't that long ago that he was a very, you know, he was the same level of player that they were. And he has a lot of the same experiences that they were and can help, you know, help them along in the process of becoming the leaders of this team and, and all, or not becoming, being the leaders of this team. Um, so that's what he's there for. But everybody else, right? Grant, Cornette, Hauser, Pritchard, like they've all shown more than just being one dimensional players. Again, Grant is not fair to really necessarily lump him in with those because I think we already knew that. But right. um, everybody and, and the main guys, they don't have a, a JJ Redick. Uh, maybe that's not fair to JJ Redick, but even you know, at a starter level, JJ Redick is sort of a one-dimensional player. Smart and White and Brogdon and obviously Brown and Tatum and Al Horford and Rob Williams, like all of these players are versatile players uh, who have a, a, a variety of skills that you can use in a, in a number of different ways. And now we're also seeing that Joe Mazzula seems to be like a extremely good offensive coach who is getting, you know, finding creative ways to use a lot of that. Um, and then it doesn't help when your team makes a million threes all the time, which is also going to make your offense look really good. I mean, second in attempts in the NBA right now from three, fourth in percentage. That's just, again, it's, it's lights out and it's pretty much across the board, even. And I mean, smart, had a slow start to the year, but before he got hurt, I mean, his last six games, I'd say Ryan, like might be probably one of the best offensive stretches of his career period. When you look yeah. at like, he's taking the right shots. He's obviously his passing versus turnover ratio has been incredible. And that that's kind of with him been the last piece of the puzzle offensively in his career. And if he's, if he gets there now, then like, look out. Yeah. I mean, he was really bad in the, the Cleveland loss, Cleveland game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, and then has been, I don't know, tremendous since then. He, you know, he had the Detroit game, he didn't shoot well, but like just in aggregate, the Detroit game, he didn't shoot well. And I'm looking now, he was plus 22. Okay. I knew he didn't <laughs> shoot well. And I knew that he had a good game, right? Like he, he's looked like the Marcus Smart that we all winning plays, right? <laughs> um, he's just had that one game that, that where he didn't have a good one. Um, 
but it's the same sort of idea, right? You can put him on the floor and on a night when you need him to score 22 points and make clutch plays at the end of the game, he can do it. And on a night when you need him to get 11 assists and, you know, not turn the ball over, he can do it. Uh, and also give you the defense on the other end. So it's all good, right? You said at the beginning, it's, I'm only ever on right. bad news. Like no, this game win streak early in the year. I thought this team was going to be a few games over 500 when Rob came back and make their run in the second half of the year. I figured they would go 12 and three sometime in February and establish themselves as a 50 plus win team to do that. Now it's like, I don't know what this team could be in the second half of the year. It could be really special. And it could hopefully be resting guys as needed. If they put, I mean, they're, that's, that's, like, that's not true. Milwaukee's Milwaukee going to be great too. That's the thing. Yeah, Milwaukee, that's the thing. You're, they're going to be yeah. chasing the one seed of Milwaukee. All that they're not. You can separate yourself from the pack, but you're not separating yourself from Milwaukee, given how they're looking so far. Yeah, and, I think that's they're they're doing a very similar thing to what the Celtics are right now, which is winning games despite having not their number one star injured, but a lot of you know number two, number three stars injured. Uh, so those two teams look a cut above basically everybody else at this moment, right? Yeah, that's even even the Western Conference. It's it's tough to find anyone uh, on those levels. So, all right, we did it, Ryan. Forty minutes of positivity. That was uh, power hour. Power power hour has come to an end. Make sure you're following Ryan on Twitter at Danger Cart. Rate, review, subscribe to Link Plays Pod here. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll just make this a monthly thing. The the Hazard Power Hour as as long as it, as we see fit here. Um, but in the meantime, we're just gonna ride the the great catchphrase here until further notice.